Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. Hey, 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 it's Angel. It's Miss RMBA. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing my history with money and how I overcame some of my own struggles um, and got on the path to become a financial educator. So there are many of you who follow me who know a little bit about my story and my path um, within the last few years of me being on this journey to educate others about financial literacy and being financially free, quote unquote, or financially responsible, I like to say, in regards to managing your credit and managing your budget, not overspending. But um, we all know that no one is perfect And sometimes in order to become an expert at something, you have to take a few tumbles yourself. So I'm going to let you guys in and we're going to go back, take a little jump back in time. And we're going to start back with my journey um, with money because I haven't always been the perfect person to handle money. So years ago, you probably would not have turned to me for financial advice. So I want to start back with growing up because I think... The way that we are raised and the things that we see growing up in our household, um, that really has an effect on the way that we live our lives, um, not only like as a whole, but financially. And when we look at wealth, when we look at finances, much of it is generational. So when you look at people who are wealthy and you see people who have inherited money, Um, there's this thing, generational wealth, right? And it's, everyone's like, how do you create generational wealth? And you see these families who have taken the appropriate steps as far as setting up their investments, having a will in place, making sure their kids are set for college. Um, and, And there's so many different ways where you can establish generational wealth, making sure you're having the retirement savings. But when you look at families who don't necessarily have that privilege, um, because you have to have the means, you have to have the money um, to do certain things. Everything in this world costs something. So if you look at a family who doesn't necessarily have like the means to purchase an insurance policy, or uh, maybe they do have the means, but they don't have the knowledge. And sometimes that is the case. Like if we don't know something, Um, then you're not going to do it. So it's all about like the power of knowledge as far as like how far you can really go in life. Um, But it's like, if you're not, if you are not surrounding yourself with the right people, if your family has never had those proper, I'd say guidance, financial guidance counselors per se, to say, hey, you need to set an insurance policy or you need to do this with your money. Most families will not do it. I, I literally know families who have had cash savings, um, over $100,000 sitting in a savings account. And we know at a regular bank, your money's not generating a lot of interest. So that money can be sitting in investments. It could be going to so many different things which can generate um large dividends. And and if you don't have that knowledge or you don't have someone really advising you, then you're not going to know how to really create wealth or how to 
uh, make more money. So for me growing up, um, I'd say my journey with money has been very personal because we didn't grow up with much. Um, my mother was a single mother for majority of the time when I was a kid. I'd say on and off, um, my biological father was not in my life until I was in college. Um, I did have a stepfather who was there um, occasionally. I'd say up until I was 10. And then my mom, th- that's why I always say my mom was a single mother. My mom worked three jobs. I always remember her working, hardworking, three jobs. You know, I was babysitting. And it's like, for me, when I saw my mom struggling, I was the oldest of four children. I was like, hey, I need to make some money because, you know, you go to the store and it's like you have three siblings. You can't always get what you want. So at an early age, I wanted to learn. Um, well, I wanted to buy my own things. <laughs> I didn't want to wait for other people to buy them for me. So I, I got a babysitting job. That's like the only thing you can do at 10 and 11 years old. But I started babysitting and that's like how I would buy myself things and not really wait on my mom to to buy it. I had my first W-2 job at the age of 12, which is really crazy because when I tell people that they're like, what? Yes, I filed a tax return when I was 12 years old and people are like, well, what did you do at 12 years old? What kind of job did you get at 12? It was not (laughs) most, (laughs) it was not like a fancy job. And I grew up in the Midwest, so um, Central Illinois, um, Chicago. I'm originally from Chicago. We lived in Central Illinois. I went to college in Central Illinois. Um, Very much a Midwesterner, even though now I reside in Texas. But (laughs) back when I was growing up, there were not too many jobs you could get at 12. Um, Maybe 13, 14, you could work at McDonald's. You could probably get a job at the hospital as a candy striper, which is like really doing paperwork or you're, you're really passing along the folders uh, throughout the hospital. But um, there's if you've ever been to Illinois and you've ever driven outside of Chicago, you'll see there's a lot of farmland. I worked on a farm. <laughs> and I can see a lot of faces of people who have actually met me before. You're like, what? You worked on the farm. Yes, I worked on a farm at 12 years old. Um, so the good news is it only lasted for a day. <laughs> It only lasted for a day because I was like, get me out of here. I cannot do this. This is too dirty. I'll go back to babysitting. So um, so I had this job. Yeah, only for a day. I went back to babysitting. But when I was 14, then I actually got a job at a fast food restaurant. And I remember working like all through high school. Like none of my other friends really had to work like I did. And I worked because I wanted to not only buy myself things, but I wanted to help my mom out with the bills. And so um, going into college, it was always working. It was for me, it's like, okay, I have to work. I have to make money. And my mom worked for a university. That was that was her full-time job. She also had two part-time jobs. And later on, she ended up getting into real estate, which would become her, her full-time job or her um, entrepreneurship deal. But... Um, she worked at the university, so I was able to receive 50% off on tuition. But even with that, I felt like I still had to work. And none of my other friends were really working. Their parents were sending them money. I knew my mom could not send me money. My mom could not pay my my rent. She could not you know, pay for things such as when I, I looked at my other friends who were in college and their parents were like 
buying them cars, paying, paying their car payments. Um, I, I knew my mom could not do that with her being uh, a single parent and me having three siblings at home. And my brother was only four years younger than me, and he was going to be going off to college, not probably right around the time I was going to be graduating college. So uh, the entire time I was in college, I worked. Um, and it was always like, I was like struggling, like, okay, I have to pay this bill. I have to pay that bill. And then it was like getting into the whole credit card game because at that particular time, um, I'm not going to tell you guys how old I am, but that particular time when I was in college, there was on the quads, they would have, uh, the quad days and all these companies would come out, credit card companies, and they would have, you sign up for their credit cards. And here is their spill to get you to sign up for their credit cards where they're saying, all right, if you sign up, we're gonna give you a grocery, a gift card for groceries, or we're gonna give you you know, a free um, sweatsuit. It was always like something free and it was always gonna be something that you needed or it was like a care pack and it had all the personal items. And like, when you're a broke college student, like you're like, okay, I'm just gonna sign this little paper because I need whatever free is on that table because I don't have the money to pay for it. So. I got into a lot, I ended up getting a lot of credit cards when I was in college and I didn't know how to control it because um, no one ever told me about credit cards. My mother never had a credit card when I was growing up. So with her never never having a credit card, she could never teach me how to responsibly handle credit. So um, I, I got a credit card and then I got another credit card. And of course, when you don't really have any credit, they give you the low limit. And I was like, that's it? I was like, I would spend this like at Walmart, like just, you know, buying things I need for school and then got the next credit card, got the next credit card. And then the bills started coming in. And then, of course, you see like the minimum, the $25 payment. And you're like, OK, that's nothing. I could pay it. Yeah, you pay it. But when you're not really taught the importance of how that interest compounds on your credit card statement, that 25% interest rate, that 20% interest, some are 29%. Um, and how that minimum payment really does nothing because sometimes that monthly interest that you're being charged um, is more than the minimum payment. And you, ha you have no one that's there that's telling you, hey, you should probably pay more than the minimum or you should probably pay your balance in full every month or hey, you should probably keep your credit card balance is below 30%. I didn't know any of that. So all of my credit cards were maxed out. Um, there were probably some that $500 limits, $1,000 limits, $2,000 limits. And when I tell you, I probably didn't have $10 um, available credit on, on those cards. Like, that's insane. Like, when I look back on it today, I was like, that is completely insane that every card I had was almost to the max. And I was, I was paying my payments, but I was only paying the minimum. And it got to a point where it was very overwhelming. And, you know, I wasn't working, I had to really uh, hunker down to get through school. So I had to take some time off from working. And I didn't really have any money to pay my credit cards. So those credit cards started to go to collections. Um, and I was, I had a boyfriend at the time and he would try to help me. He was older. He was, he had already graduated and he would try to help me, uh, pay on some bills. And it, it became so overwhelming that I was just like, forget it. I was like, you know, when I graduate and I get a job, I'll pay these cards. Um, but <laughs> did not get to pay them. Um, I'd say by the time I graduated college, I had, um, over $20,000 in credit card debt. 
So very irresponsible. And I had no idea how I was going to pay back this money um, on top of student loans. And when you look at $20,000, like $20,000 is a lot of money, right? And and I say it's like very relative, like right now where I am in my career and right now where I am with my brand and my business, I say, okay, 20000 you know, I, I know how long it will take me to make 20000 to pay 20000 back where you say, okay, it's not really that much money now. But back then, graduating from college, I didn't know how long it was going to take me to pay back $20,000. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. I'm never going to pay this back or I'm never going to be able to pay this back. Am I going to have to file bankruptcy all for $20,000? And now where I am in my life, I look at people who, you know, have $500,000 and million dollars in debt and they have to file bankruptcy. And then I'm like, $20,000 is not, you know, nothing to file bankruptcy about. But, <laughs> but, um, but that's like the importance of when you, when you grow up in a family and you're not really taught about um, the importance of managing your finances, how it really like spills over into your personal life. So for me, um, getting that first real job after college, of course, the first thing you have to focus on is your student loans. And then it's like, OK, you need a car. The car I had was trash. I had to buy another car. And and it's like, OK, you have all this other debt that's sitting there. And it's like, how do you pay down this debt? It honestly took me um, a, a, a little bit I'd say five years to sort of clean up my credit from the mess I made in college as far as like paying things down, settling payments. And then even then, because I was honestly living paycheck to paycheck uh, the first couple years out of college, I wasn't making much money. Um, I'll tell you right now, when I graduated college, I was making $40,000 and it was not a lot of money. Um, And the money came and the money went and Anything extra that I wanted to pay, it probably was not happening. And as soon as I was paying down some of my debt, I started to get other credit cards. Um, And I've told this story before because I think it's very important for people to realize and be transparent with themselves. Because if you're not transparent with yourself, then you can never like see uh, your real problem. And I think for me, it was like, it was always an issue with money because I did not come from a family with money. And it was always like, okay, I need more money. I need more money. And um, I think when you get to the point where you realize that there's some things that you really don't need, um, you can really stop a problem in its tracks. And so that's what happened for me where I was shopping. I had, after college, it wasn't it wasn't just buying things. In college, it was more so buying the things I needed for college and plus a little bit of shopping. But after college, it was like, okay, I wanna go on vacation with my friends. Okay, I need a new outfit to go out, okay. And it was every Friday going out with my friends and every Friday I felt like I needed a new outfit. And and this cycle continued until I was probably 26, 27 years old. Um, and so I realized, I was like, okay, I really don't need these things and <laughs> you really don't need an out, a new outfit to go out every week. And of course, when you're young, you, you want to be like fresh and you want, you know, to have to be the best dressed and you want to have like all these nice things. And, uh, it just really takes coming to that realization that you don't need these things and, and, uh, being honest with yourself and really being confident with yourself, um, and not really falling into that whole pretentious circle and, and all these like social definitions where people tell you that you have to wear a certain brand or you have to do these certain things. And so um, I came to a point where I was like, okay, I I really need to change my life (laughs) because I ended up being laid off from my job. And, and I, and at that point I had a better job, but um, I still was not really saving money. I was spending money. I was vacationing every time I had a chance. Um, I was 
doing things very irresponsibly. And the way I looked at it at the time, it was like, I work very hard. Why can't I do these things? Why can't I buy myself something nice? And I think there's a lot of people who justify working hard to overspend. They justify overspending with working hard. Um, and I think that's like a total misconception, but um, it happens because that's what—that's exactly what I was doing. I was like, I work very hard. I deserve this. I'm going to go and buy myself something nice. I'm going to take this vacation. I'm going to go and get a $300 weave. <laughs> Like, but that was the reality of it. It's like, I'm going to get my nails done every, you know, week and a half, two weeks. And I think when I, when I got laid off, I realized I didn't have any money saved at all. Zero savings. And that was a shame. And I was like, God, like, I don't have any money. And it was like, I didn't know what to do. It was like file unemployment and, you know, you get a severance from your job and unemployment. And I don't know who's listening to this. If you've ever received unemployment or if you even if you've never received unemployment, you don't want unemployment. Um, unemployment is, first of all, let me just say, if you have no other income, it is a blessing. But um I would say it was probably $1,500 a month. And to go from, you know, almost a six-figure salary to $1,500 a month, I was like, how am I going to pay my bills if I was already living check to check on this other salary? And it was a reality check for me. And this was around the time of the recession, um, 09. And so I was like, oh, my God, like, I was like, what am I going to do? And I started like applying, immediately applying for other jobs. Many of them were temporary jobs. Um, and the job market was so bad that there were places that were just calling and saying, hey, we have a job we can offer you. We'll pay you $15 an hour. It's a three month contract. And I was like, no, like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And and at that particular time, um, I really found myself in a position where I had to hustle and I, I involuntarily became a full-time entrepreneur. <laughs> um, so a lot of you know my journey with entrepreneurship, which we'll discuss later, but that was like the first time I had really done full-time entrepreneurship. I had done some things before, which was more like side hustle, and I was almost forced into this full-time entrepreneur uh, ship thing, which lasted for a year and a half um, before I went back to a corporate position. Um, and we'll discuss that later, but um, on another podcast. But um, geez, like, it, it's like, there's so much that goes into the history of finances and financial literacy, where it drills down to your family. And I always think back to, okay, if I grew up and I knew the importance of saving, if I knew the importance of managing um, my credit, if I knew the importance of all these things, like would my life have been different for like those five years? And would it have been different like when I was laid off? Because it wasn't until I started going back to work, um, I started to understand how important it was for me to save. Uh, because not only did I not have savings, I didn't have money in my 401k. Um, I started to put money in my 401k. And it, it wasn't that I didn't know to put money in my 401k. It was that I could not afford it. So let's let's get on that point. Because I, I always tell people, I did start my first 401k when I was 19. I had a full-time job. I started my first 401k when I was 19. I had to drain it. I took that money out um, when I graduated college because I was in so much debt. 
So I took the money out and it wasn't a lot of money because I, I worked at a call center and I worked at a bank and was full time. And, and that's how I ended up starting my first 401k. I took the money out when I graduated college and then I did not start contributing to another 401k until I was almost 30. Um, but um, so I knew the importance of putting money into a 401k because I remember specifically the advisors coming into our job and telling us, like, if we put so much in at such a young age, we could have a million dollars by this age. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to save all this money. And I and I started it. And then I realized it was like life just hit you. And I was like, OK, I need this money. And I took the money out when I graduated. And um, I that's something that I honestly regret to this day. I wish I would have left that money there. And I wonder how much it would have um, accumulated to today with compound interest. But um but yeah, so I knew the importance of having the 401k. It's like I could not afford to put money into a 401k because I was, it's like I was living check to check. I was living irresponsibly. So if I wasn't living irresponsibly, I could have afforded to put money into a 401k. And that goes back into, you know, just being educated properly on the savings aspect and managing your credit aspect. But um, so when I started to work again, I started to put money into my 401k. I started to save I started to actually have conversations with my friends because that's one thing that was lacking. Like I realized I never had these conversations with my friends about money. Um, there were certain people at work. You, there's I, I always have this thing about people that you work with in corporate America. Uh, some people are not your friends, right? Get your money, go home. But there are some people that you build very close relationships with and you have those conversations with. And I started to talk to people um, who had become friends with through through corporate, and they were telling me they were having very similar issues. Um, they did not learn until a very later age in life as far as the importance of money, the importance of savings, the importance of 401k. Um, and I was like, geez, I wonder how many other people are not not knowing this. How many other people don't know this knowledge? And um, it's that really struck a chord with me, and I wanted to really do some research. I started to research. I started to see the numbers. I started to see that I was not alone. And I think when I saw that I was not alone and I saw like these surveys that were coming out, um, how there, there were at that particular time, there's probably more than 60% of people in the U.S. who did not have $1,000 in their savings. And I was like, gosh, I never knew it was this many people. And like right now, even now to this day, there's more than 70. And I was like, this is, I was like, this is a lot of people. And I was, I always thought that I was, um, the minority, <laughs> per se. Um, and, and that's maybe why I felt ashamed to even discuss it because I was like, I know people have more money than me. There's people who have more savings. And I was like, okay, there's people who actually don't. Um, and how can we actually change this? How can we open up the conversation? And I think at that time, Susie Orman used to have her show on TV and she used to always talk about, can you afford it? Can you afford it? And I think she was the only person at the time I even saw who would discuss these financial topics. And um, I started volunteering with nonprofit groups um, in Dallas and really just bringing the topic to the table and doing some questionnaires and um, creating some some budget aspects and helping people create their budget and having the credit conversations because the credit aspect was not new to me. That was actually one of my first side hustles when I was in college. I was actually um, 
Actually, you know, when I graduated college, I, when I started working on my own credit, I was helping people do credit repair and because I was repairing my own credit at the same time. But um, there's so many things that people didn't know as far as like, how do you actually like pull your credit report and how do you make sure these numbers are correct and how do you actually settle with the um, creditor? And as I was learning those things, I was start starting to help other people do those things. But like um, later in life, when I started to volunteer, I was like, okay, let's put this knowledge out here and let me just volunteer and let's let's put some of these resources um, towards the community. And so that was like sort of the first steps to me becoming a financial educator. Um, but, but it's been a very long road and that was like very, very early stages. Um, it took some time before I actually started to do this on a regular basis because that was more at the time I considered it a hobby. I was like, okay, whenever I have free time, I'll go and do it. And I think 2014, 2015 is when it really hit me. And I said, okay, this is my passion. This is what I like to do. I'm going to move forward. Um, I'm going to keep doing this on a regular basis. I actually want to speak. I actually want to brand myself. And, um, 2015 is when, the whole brand, the blog came about, Miss RMBA, Angel Radcliffe. I started to do live streaming. And when I was on live streaming, it was it was not really for the intent of branding. It was just more so to test it out and tell my story as far as what was going on in my life. I started to discuss business and financial literacy and and it started to become a regular thing. And the book came about Ballin' on a Budget, which is available on Amazon, um, which is a workbook that I use in my workshop. So it's content that I've always used. And I actually put it into um, a book form to publish. And other bu business ventures started to come about and speaking engagements. And I saw that there were other people who were doing the same thing. And there were people who looked like me who were doing the same thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing because... I remember I was like, if I would have had this knowledge growing up, if I would have had this knowledge in college, I feel like my life would have been so much better off. But I know we can't go back and we can't change anything. But the only thing that we can do is um, keep that knowledge for ourselves and help educate other people. So that's what I continue to do. And that's a little bit of my story with money. And so not only on this podcast, but through my speaking engagements, through uh, meeting different people, through events that I'm a part of, um, through the blogs that I write, through interviews, I hope to be a good resource. I hope to help educate people. I hope to answer questions. Um, any questions that you guys have about money, any way that you feel about uh, money, if you feel like if you feel like wealth is a generational thing, I would love to hear it. If you can post on my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, um, I'm at Miss RMBA, M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. I would love for you guys to post. Uh, make sure you leave a review of the podcast. But that's my history with money. And um, of course, right now, I'm so much better. <laughs> I am so much better. But uh <laughs> We can definitely we can definitely dive delve into that before I close out the podcast. I can definitely say that right now I do save more than forty percent of my income. I save more than forty percent of my income, which is like really great, and that's actually just cash savings. And there's 
20 to 30 percent that goes towards investment. So all in all, 60 to 70 percent um, is what's what's saved. And I could never imagine um, being on the path that I am today, because when I look at the amount of money that I, I'm able to save and I look at 10 years ago, I'm like, this is crazy. And I look at how much money I can save in one year. Um, I had a I had a savings goal to save one hundred thousand dollars and I gave myself a goal of two years. I met that goal in probably 15 months. And I was like, what? I, I couldn't believe it myself. I was like, this is crazy. And I was like, how did I do it? And I started actually going back through through all my finances. Um, you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice so much in order to meet your goals, in order to say, I'm not going to be irresponsible with my finances. I'm going to take charge of my credit. Uh, my credit score is over 750, all three of them. Um, but it's like, you know, you have to understand what goes into it because like every month I see my credit scores change. Like sometimes they dip and it's because if you charge something on your credit card, you have to understand if you, you're carrying a balance, your score is going to go down. So it's like if you're constantly like spending and then paying off, you'll see your scores go up and down. So with me, I do see my scores go up and down. And I think like people have to understand that because I think some people will, you know, they'll get like the good credit score and then something will happen. And they're like, oh, I don't know what happened. It's like you have to understand what goes into it. And it's like I started to understand everything that was affecting every single part of my finances, everything that's affecting my 401k, what's affecting my investments, what's in what's affecting my savings, how, how do I change these numbers? And it's like, when you start to understand that, you will be so much better off in life because you won't be stressing. Uh, and you're like, okay, well, I know that I, I just took a vacation and I charged this money to my credit card and this is why my score probably dropped 20 points. So as soon as I pay this balance down, my score is gonna go back up. And that's completely normal, but... Um, gosh, gosh, it's like been such a long journey, but I'm so happy to be where I am. I'm so happy to be able to share a little bit of history and continue to educate you guys. So, um, that's it for this episode. Make sure you guys leave a rating, leave some comments on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I want to know what your history is with money and if that really goes back to your family and how you were raised so twitter instagram facebook miss rmba m-i-s-s-r-m-b-a and i'll catch you guys on the next episode thanks for tuning in thanks for listening stay connected with angel online on instagram twitter and facebook at miss rmba that's m-i-s-s-r-m-b-a be sure to subscribe and review join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones motivation and money.